We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask that you come into this room right now, God, and give us minds to understand, ears to hear, hearts to receive, Father, and the courage to live it out. Our confession of faith says that our life is better after we have heard and done the word of God. So, Father, I ask that you give us ears to hear. And, Father, when we are out there representing you in the field, that we live it out, God, so that our lives can be the best that they can be, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, in this new year, I ask that you strengthen us, that you keep us, and, and, you, and you show us new vision, God, and you give us the courage and the faith to go after those things that you are showing us, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we come against that spirit that wants to hold us back. Father, for those of us where there is greatness, and there is greatness in all of us, God, for your glory. For your glory, God, I ask that you give us what is necessary to propel us into the future that you have for us, God. In the name of Jesus, Father, I ask that you steady us, God, and that you help us to recommit to you wholly and completely, God. No lukewarm in this house, God. No more lukewarm people in this house, God. In the name of Jesus, but people who are totally and fully committed to your will and to your way, God. And as they commit, God, I ask that you overflow blessings in their lives, God. And the closer that they walk, God, I ask that you increase those blessings in this year, God, so that they will know that it is you. So they will know without a shadow of a doubt that they are in your will and in your way, God. In the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I plant this seed by faith in the name of Jesus. And I believe that it will grow and we will live it out for your glory. And it's in your precious son, Jesus name. We pray and we thank you. Amen. So I'm going to read from the contemporary English version of the Bible. Hebrews 10, I mean, Hebrews 12, 1 through 10 from the contemporary English version of the Bible sounds like this. It says, such a large crowd of witnesses is all around us. So we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. We must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew later on he would be glad that he did. Now he is seated at the right side of God's throne. So keep your mind on Jesus who put up with many insults from sinners. Then you won't get discouraged and give up. None of you have yet been hurt in your battle against sin, but you have forgotten that the scriptures say to God's children, when the Lord punishes you, don't make light of it. And when he corrects you, don't be discouraged. The Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. Be patient 
when you are corrected. This is how God treats his children. Don't all parents correct their children? God corrects all his children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. Our earthly fathers correct us and we still respect them. Isn't it even better to be given true life by letting our spiritual father correct us? Our human fathers correct us for a short time and they do it as they think best. But God corrects us for our own good because he wants us to be holy as he is. And may the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, doers, sharers of his word. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So today we're going to talk about keep running. Keep running because sometimes in this life things happen we lose focus. The scripture says, keep your focus on Jesus, not me, on Jesus, not on you, but on Jesus. Because if you look any other place, you're going to get weary. So it says, keep your focus on Jesus. And when I was reading this uh verse of scripture and thinking about it and praying about it and reflecting on it there was a story that came to my mind and I know that you you guys may have heard the story before but I'm pretty sure that all of you all have seen the visual of a donkey with a carrot stuck out in front of it like in the cartoons and stuff have you all seen that because the owner is trying to get the donkey to move and so there is a story that deals with that, and it talks about this farmer who went to the trading place and he bought a donkey, and the person that was selling the donkey said to him, oh, this is a good donkey. He's going to work hard, and he's going to rest a little bit, and he's going to be reliable to get you the, the uh, stuff that you want on the farm, the crops that you want on the farm. He's going to be a reliable addition to your farm. And so the, the farmer was excited and he took the donkey home and he put him straight to work because this is the donkey that works hard and, and he doesn't need much rest and he's going to help me do what it is that I need to do. And day after day, the donkey toiled in the fields and he was pulling the hay and he was going back and forth and it was true. He didn't lead, he didn't need much rest and he proved himself reliable. For a time. For a time. Because here is what we know about human nature. Sometimes when we come to God, y'all heard it before, that zealousness that comes without knowledge and, and we run and, and, and we do all these things for God because we're motivated. And motivation is good, but motivation not going to get you to the finish line, right? It takes discipline to get you to the finish line. It takes discipline. It takes hard work and toil. So eventually, the donkey wasn't motivated. The environment wasn't uh, new anymore, and the donkey got tired. The lack of sleep and the daily toil just took its toll on the donkey. So 
So I want, I want, I want you to think about yourself now, the, the repetitiveness of the things that we have to do, the daily toils that we go through. And some of us don't sleep really well and sleep deprivation can sit in. And all of these things can play into our lives just like this donkey. And it got such that the donkey would now slow down and he would wobble and he would fall over and he would lose some of the hay and he was just tired. And so the farmer would remind the donkey of what he was supposed to do by taking a stick and he would whack him and whack him. You're supposed to toil. You're supposed to carry the hay. You are supposed to run. And at first, the stick worked, and the donkey would refocus, and the donkey would do what it was supposed to do. It would continue to do that. But over time, over time, the donkey grew accustomed, thank you, Brittany, to the stick. The stick didn't work anymore. <laughs> he grew accustomed to it. One whack used to do it, now two then three, now 10 don't do it because the donkey is accustomed to it. It's got accustomed to the pain, got accustomed to the discomfort, comfortable in your discomfort. And, and so the donkey stopped working. It didn't work. And so then the farmer realized that his stick had no real effect on the donkey, and so he said, I'm going to try something else because this donkey is still slow. It's still making all the mistakes. It's still not doing what it's supposed to do. And so he sat down, and he thought, and he thought, and he thought, and he thought, and he came up with the idea of putting a carrot out on the stick so that the donkey could see the carrot and work hard. And, 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 and for a moment, it worked. The donkey is not that different from us, right? Because if God give us some big blessing that we've been waiting on, we run for him for two weeks until that blessing gets old and we get accustomed to it and we want something else. So we're not that different from the donkey. And so he was running after the carrot and the work was getting done because he wanted the carrot. Right, He wanted to carry it, but after a while, the donkey realized, I don't care how fast I run or how hard I work, I can't get the carrot. It's outside of my reach. So guess what happened? The donkey stopped. The donkey stopped working. The donkey stopped working. And I want to say to you right here that God is not like this farmer. If he promised you It'll happen. He's not just dangling a carrot out there for you to run after, and there's really no substance to it. He's, like, he's not like that. And so eventually, <laughs> the donkey stopped, like I told you, and the farmer was sitting again going, what's, what's really going on? This donkey is so full of potential. He's supposed, he started out well. He started out working well. He started out running well. What happened that he can't do it now? I still need him to do it. And he started to think and think hard. And I don't know if he prayed or not. <laughs> but he started to think and he think, he, how can I get him back to work? How can I stop him from wobbling and underperforming? And I, how can I get him to stay on task and to focus on what's ahead and so 
The following day, the farmer had an idea. And he said, how about I just give the donkey the carrot? So after a hard day work, he gave the donkey the carrot. The donkey enjoyed the carrot. So guess what happened the next day? The donkey started working. The farmer gave him the carrot. And he kept working. And so when I started reading this scripture, when I look into this scripture, you can see the carrot and the stick in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 starts out by saying, we have a great cloud of witnesses around us. We have a great, if you, if you, if you don't know who the cloud of witnesses are, then go back to chapter 11, and it's talking about faith, and it's talking about Abraham, and it's talking about Jacob and Esau, and it's talking about Noah, it's talking about Gideon, it's talking about all these people who were walking by faith. And when I was thinking about that, some of you all can say, I don't know, Gideon, it could just be a story in the Bible. I don't know, Noah. But then I started thinking about the witnesses that have left this house. I thought about Geraldine. I thought about Ernestine. I thought about Deacon Johnson. I thought about Pastor Brown. So we know people personally who are in that great cloud of witnesses. And the Bible says since we have a great cloud of witnesses, there's a responsibility that we have. And that responsibility is to run. That responsibility is to carry the message that all of them can no longer carry here. That's the responsibility. Since we have a great cloud of witnesses, we have a responsibility, the scripture says. And it says, we got to run, but before we can run, we got to get rid of that stuff that keeps slowing us down. And, and, it, and it says, especially the sin that won't let go of us. The one that won't let go of us. And then the question came to my mind, but are we willing to let go of it? Are we willing to let go of it? Sometimes we can't separate ourselves from the weight and the sin because we are not willing to let it go. And you know why we are not willing to let it go? Because it's bringing some reward in our lives. Human beings are not crazy. We don't do stuff just to be doing stuff. We do stuff because we like the outcome. But the word comes today to say if you're going to run this race over the long haul, not, not just in the beginning like the donkey did, if you're going to run it over the long haul, you got to get rid of the weights and you got to get rid of the sin because it's going to slow you down. And if you're running to win, you got to get rid of that stuff. You got to let go. The, uh, there's another part of the scripture that says, have hold on to this world with a light hold. Because if I call for it, if you got to let it go, I can't have you standing in the corner screaming and hollering and wondering what would have but I need you to let it go and run. But see, we too attached to this world. We too attached to this world and heaven is not real to us. You know how I know heaven 
is not real to us. Because if heaven were real to us, why would we cling so hard to this world that is so temporary? We tell the stories about heaven, and it sounds good to us, but we're not willing to pay the price. Because the price of running is letting go of the weight and the sin that so easily, some versions of the Bible say, so easily hold you back. So easily hold you back. It said we got to let go. And then it says you got to be determined. You got to be determined. Have you ever been determined about anything? You got to be determined. Determined. It's going to happen. That's determined. It's going to happen, but we kind of want it to happen. We kind of want to run, and the visions that God gave us, we kind of want it to happen, but we don't want to make the sacrifice, the full sacrifice to run. We don't want to make the full sacrifice because when stuff starts hurting us, we want to give up. We stop saying, I'm determined. When stuff starts falling apart, we want to stop running and we want to start whining. But the word says you got to be determined. Even if tears running down your face, even if you're tired and your feet hurt and your head hurt and you don't know about tomorrow, just like in that fog this morning, you didn't know where the step first, the next step was. But you kept driving. And that's how this is. That's how this is. I don't know what's happening, not just tomorrow, but in five minutes. I don't know. But I'm determined to keep running. I'm determined to keep running. And then it goes on to say we must keep our eyes on Jesus. Some of us don't even spend time to know what that means. We know the story about Jesus dying on the cross, but how did he get there? What did it look like? Sometimes the stories I hear people tell about Jesus sounds like fantasy to me. Because you didn't take time to read about Jesus yourself. You took time to listen to what somebody else told you, but how you going to stay focused on somebody you don't know? I didn't say you didn't know his name. I said, how are you going to stay focused on somebody you don't know? The word of God says stay focused on Jesus because when you get to focusing on Jesus, you will realize he took some horrible stuff off of people. People misunderstood him, mischaracterized him, mislabeled him, but he knew his purpose. And so he stayed focused, and so you focus on him and stop being so caught up in what somebody doing to you, saying to you, keep your focus on Jesus. That's what this said. If you are going to finish this race, you got to keep your focus on Jesus, just like that donkey was looking after that carrot. When that carrot was making him run, Jesus is your carrot out in front of you. But he can't be temporary. You can't get tired. You can't be like, I did this yesterday. Jesus is out in front of you, and the word of God says, stay focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And then they said, Jesus endured the shame. Sometimes 
we think we're supposed to like the stuff that we're going through. <laughs> that ain't what the word says. The word says he endured it. Whether it felt good or not, he endured it. And sometimes we get thrown off because we think we're supposed to like everything that happens in our lives. God forbid, wherever that lie came from, you just got to endure some stuff. You just got to be determined and make up in your mind that no matter what, like that song says, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm going to die over here. You got to say that up front. It ain't no turning back from me. I'm going to die over here. And what that means is what's between here and death, I don't know. But I done already decided that there is no turning back from me. There is no going back from me. And see, some of y'all leave that as an option. If it get too hard, I might go back. But it ain't no going back from me. It ain't none going back from me. No going back for me. No going back for me. So it's like, yes, Nita, straight ahead. I'm focused. I'm straight ahead. And when you say I'm going to die over here, that means whatever in between here and there, I'm going through it. But see, some of y'all don't want to say that. Some of y'all don't want to say that. Some of y'all still trying to hold on to this world that's going to slip away anyway. Some of y'all busting your fingers to the bones for something that's going to slip away anyway. But heaven is real. And the Bible says because God knew, Jesus knew one day he would be glad. <laughs> one day. He didn't even know the day. But one day he knew he would be glad. So he endured the suffering and the shame. And the same thing for you. One day, you're going to be glad that you did. When you end up at the gates of heaven and God is telling the story and you see his face in peace, you're going to be glad that you did. You're going to be glad that you didn't turn around. You're going to be glad that you said it's death for me. It's death for me. It's death for me, Pastor Brown. It's death for me. It ain't no turning back for me. Because one day I'm going to be glad. I might not be glad now. The Bible says he endured the suffering and the shame. Because one day, one day he knew he would be glad that he did. And when he looks and he sees us coming, he's glad that he hung on the cross. When he looks and he sees us committed, he glad, he's glad that he suffered the shame. When he looks down, sometimes when Brittany is praying, she's like, Lord, I hope you have a day that makes you smile. But the Bible says every time we bring somebody in, all of heaven rejoices. So if you want to see him smile, you want to see him smile, commit to this thing and tell somebody else about it. Every time he sees you hanging on, when you want to give up, it makes him smile, Brittany. It makes him smile. <laughs> when you say, it's it, this it for me. I'm not going back. This it for me. That makes him smile. That makes him smile. That makes him smile. So if you really want to, <laughs> there's a way to make him smile. And the Bible says, now he's sitting on the right 
on God's throne, on the right side of God's throne. So keep your mind on Jesus, who put up with many insults. It says many. Then you won't get discouraged. But here's what happens to us. Stuff starts happening to us, and we put our focus on us, and we get discouraged. But it says stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. If you serve a good God, and you do, that has good thoughts towards you, and you do, then everything is working out for your good, even if it doesn't feel like it, right? And then we're going to get to the stick part. <laughs> and I'm going to sit down in a minute, but it's a stick in this scripture too. Because if running for the prize, running with your focus on Jesus is not enough, this how bad he wants you in this race, right? He going to discipline you, it says. Because some of us get tired, we get tired because it seems like it's prolonged. It seems like it ain't never going to come. We don't know today. Why couldn't he just tell me today? Why couldn't he tell me what this was going to look like and then roll it out and let it happen? Why couldn't he do that? And when we take our focus off of Jesus Christ and we focus on that kind of stuff, we get discouraged. And when we get discouraged, what happens? We sit down and we stop running. We start wobbling like the donkey. We become unreliable like the donkey. We don't do what we're supposed to do like the donkey. And the Bible says that Jesus said, well, I'll discipline you during those times because I want you to keep running. Because I know the prize that's ahead. I know what your life looked like. And I want you to keep running. And the Bible says he don't discipline us like our earthly fathers discipline us. He disciplines us for what's good for us. It says our earthly fathers discipline like they think best. But God knows what is best. And so when he disciplines, it says don't, don't get discouraged. It says don't rebuke it. Don't feel bad about it. Don't do all that. Just get with the program. Get with the program. Because all he's trying to do is get you to running again. Because you are supposed to run. You are supposed to fight. You are supposed to be in this thing for life. And if he sees you wobbling, he sees you losing focus, he sees you done stopped. Some of us just stop sometimes. You ever been in that place where life got so hard you just stopped? You, I've heard people say, Lord, why me? Lord, what you doing? Lord, they, people blame all kinds of things on God when life starts getting hard. And the Bible says don't do that. Don't do that. It says God disciplines you because you are his child and he loves you. And then it goes on to say, if he ignores you, this is my word. If he ignores you and he doesn't discipline you to get you back on track, you, in fact, are not his child. That's what the word say. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. And so it takes a mindset, a change in mindset to see discipline as something that is good and necessary. Discipline is what loving fathers do to children that they love. But the problem is some of us, some of us don't understand discipline. We understand uh, beating. We understand whooping. We understand getting the switch, getting the belt, getting hollered at. We understand all of that because normally, normally, we associate discipline with when our earthly fathers got mad at us and fed up with us. 
and then they came and took their anger out on us. God is not like that. And so you need to break that association. God has never taken his anger out on you. Don't let people tell you that. The word of God says that he poured his full wrath out on Jesus Christ on the cross. His full wrath. That means there's nothing left. If he poured it all out on Jesus Christ, he's doing it to discipline you. He's doing it out of love. He's doing it. takes a mind change, though, to understand that, right? Because at the end of the day, the Bible says when the Lord punishes you, don't make light of it. When he corrects you, don't be discouraged. The Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. Because he paid a high price to have you in these pews. He paid a high price to have you in this family. And so he's invested in you. And he wants you to win. He wants you to finish. And so when he sees you off track, that's when he pulls you back a little bit. That's when he gets your attention because he wants you to make the finish line. He's invested in you. He invested his whole life in you. And the Bible says because he knew, and I'm paraphrasing this, but the Bible says because he knew we would need it before the foundation of the world, he gave his life. And so on the day we will commemorate his life. We will remember. And today when you take communion, I want you to remember that he didn't just die for you. I heard Sister Rollins earlier saying that you ought not be satisfied that your name is on the roll. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, your name is on the rolls, all right? The Bible says he gave us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that we will see his face in peace. That we, Along the way, though, along the way, he needs you back in line because there are other people whose names are not on the roll. There are other people who don't know him in the saving, salvation of their sin. There are other people that he needs you in line. He needs you in line. So he needs you to finish the race. Amen? So in 2023, I pray that we get a different mindset about what's going on in our lives. I pray that we are determined, we are resolved, that I am going to run like a song we used to sing in the Church of God in Christ. I'm going to see what the end going to be. I believe I will run on. See what the end is going to be. Amen. How many of y'all believe you're going to run on? So you can see what the end is going to be. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus. Amen.